previously on Tales of Asperon. So keeping all of us trapped in here isn't going to get you closer to bringing justice on the one who truly deserves it. You, you can rid the world of the man that killed my master, my friend. We can bring him to justice. I didn't sign up to murder anyone, but it isn't fair if he's walking around free. You see a bunch of notices kind of tacked up along this. There's one, you see a posted warning about the beast of Whiteleaf Forest. It seems intelligent and it prowls the woodlands just north of the town. Um, and at the bottom, you see a stamp sigil for a faction that you have crossed paths with, but never actually had any interactions with, called the Hunters of Amarth. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Tales of Asperon. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and record it all share with you. Then we put out an episode every other Friday. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of it all is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition. This just means that sometimes we roll dice to figure out what happens next in the story. Roll high? Great! Your choice goes in your favor. Low? Maybe you trip down the stairs, or maybe you start to trust a stranger you meet in the woods? This is probably not a good idea. I wonder what will happen this week. I hope there aren't any strangers about. Let's roll the dice and find out together. On this clouded night in the woodlands of Asperon, our adventurers lie unconscious in the Whiteleaf Wood. At their feet, the still and silent form of Covis, the dragon that once ruled this grove, lies defeated in our hero's wake. Upon his face, black, gnarled crystals have formed where his scales once stood, and his bright, vibrant green eyes replaced with a dark and ominous yellow. Before the tree made its way into this wood, his poisonous breath brought desolation to the lives of many, and despair for any that would venture into the woods alone. Once, this wood was his kingdom, until the wood made a kingdom of him. A distant crack of thunder rings out through this clearing as a gentle rain begins to pour from the heavens. Illuminated by this flash of light, we see a tall, elven woman silhouetted by the coming storm. Beneath her wide-brimmed hat, the light of a cigar illuminates the thorny bramble around her, and we see a smile creep across her face as she takes in the sight of our adventurer's conquest. Now let's make a splashy entrance, shall we? So for a recap, in your previous encounter in this corrupted grove of the White Leaf Wood, you and your allies fought against this corrupted dragon. Um, they called this corrupted grove its home. And after quite a struggle, you managed to knock it unconscious, a little worried about killing it um, for its sake. 
And then you delved deeper into the tree, this corrupted birch of a white leaf wood. And beneath, you found a bone pit filled with bones of the dead and a worn and ragged Irnan Thistledown, the man that you and your adventuring group have been searching for. He was basically unresponsive, and the tree was wrapping itself around him, and it looked like it was corrupting him or draining his life away. Um, you freed him from the tree's corruption and quickly left, dragging him out into the clearing above. And Thurbash had a brief experience with his patron and burned this tree of its corruption. And in that moment, a golden light exploded from the tree and washed out all over you. Your wounds were healed from this luminous golden light, but it was too much for you to bear and you fell unconscious. Can everyone roll me a perception check? Big money, no whammies. Oh man. 22. 14. Um, Damn. It's an 11. Okay, Alea, you are awakened with the feeling of moisture on your face. Water, you quickly realize from a light drizzle that has begun from the now clouded sky above. You are unsure of exactly how long you've been unconscious. Um, but around you, you see your three allies rolling and kind of just coming into consciousness. You're the first to awake among them. A few feet from you rests the still unconscious dragon that was living in this grove. And on the ground, tied up next to the dragon, you can clearly see Silas tied up and trying to inchworm his way further away from your group, but he has not gotten far. And beside him, still on the ground, you see the pale body of the Irnan Thistledown. What do you do? Um, well, first, how is Tuberry? <laughs> to um give me another actually with your high enough perception you see Tuberry just sitting on Tedward's chest a few feet away from you and you notice that Tedward is not stirring and beside him on the ground writing furiously is his book okay um I guess then the next thing I'll, I'll get up and I'm going to go towards uh Silas and I'm just kind of kind of grab on his pant leg to make sure he doesn't move any further. <laughs> um, and then I'll just motion him to just shh, shh, shut up, shut up. And then I'm going to go in and try to wake up the other two people. The other the other party members, sorry. Okay. Um, the rest of you awaken to Alaya gently kind of rousing you from your slumber. Um, you guys feel great. All the aches from the battle beforehand gone, the, the little cuts and bruises and scrapes on your body are totally gone. Anyone know uh anyone know what happened? Um well uh the the tree blessedly exploded. Huh. That's what happened, I I believe. Um uh, I'm gonna go check on uh Erin Thistledown throughout throughout. What's his name? Irnan Thistledown. Thistledown. <laughs> this is maybe it's just because Alea is from the very, very far north of the continent. <laughs> She's always going to get his name wrong. Yep, um, always. You see, lying on the ground next to this unconscious dragon is Irnan Thistledown, 
His body is kind of splayed out after falling down from Tedward carrying him. And he's just lying still and quiet. You can see that his hair, which is white and wispy and kind of moving on its own, you know, ethereal breeze, seems to be moving not much at all, if any. His pale blue skin, which would normally be vibrant, is a very pale shade of gray. Does he look injured? Um, roll me a medicine check. I'm actually good at that. Fourteen. Um, you feel him over, and you do feel a very, very shallow breath on his chest. He is alive. Okay. Um, and then I guess I'm going to pull out uh, my rope out of my bag. Okay. And just tie his hands and feet together. Probably not well, but... <laughs> <laughs> Give me a no. dexterity check. Okay. Eight. Eight. Okay, so with the decks of eight, you tie him up. It seems it seems good. He shouldn't be moving. I mean, he's basically dead anyway. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Um. Is everyone awake? At this point, yeah. Everyone except Tedward, who is lying on his back, like facing up into the sky. You can see the moisture from the rain just kind of pooling up on his face and going down to the ground. His shirt is soaked from the water at this point. Um, I'm going to walk over and keeping as much distance as possible, give him like a, a swift like tap with my foot, not really kicking him or trying not to kick him, but I know that he's a pretty tough dude. So if I accidentally kick him, I'm probably not going to feel that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, roll me a strength check. Oh boy. That is a 13. Um... You give him a, a, a gentle tap on his on his ribs while he's lying there. He doesn't even budge. You do notice his book next to him is still writing furiously. And Haley is in front of it, just trying to read what it's writing. Um, you can tell pretty clearly. Um, it's written in common. The first page that it's just about to finish is telling a story about the battle that the four of you just encountered. A massive dragon the size of a town nearly burned the forest to cinders to kill all of you. And it was slain with a mighty legendary glowing sword gifted to you and your party from the gods themselves. And in the battle, Tedward was knocked unconscious by the dragon's blow. Do I have have a visual of the book? Can I read read the page from where I'm standing? Or is it something that I have to be kind of standing close? I mean, it's, it's a pretty large book, but if you take a quick peek, you can clearly see the same thing. The minute I see that, I'm going to, like, make sure that my packed weapon is, like, expertly hidden. As hidden as possible, which is me just shoving it deeper into my bag and trying to, like, cover it with my body. And, like, looking nonchalant. Okay, give me a stealth check. I'm not good at those. Oh, great. Uh, that is a 10. Uh, nobody seems to notice. Though, Alea definitely notices, just because I know your <laughs> passive perception's higher than that. I think mine is, too. Yeah, what's yours, Alea? 11. 11? Yeah, you both kind of see Thurbash trying to be sly and slipping this thin, burnt-looking wood sword into his bag. What? It... Oh, okay, then. Are busy with this book? Um, I'm going to wow. go check on the dragon. Yeah. 
you make your way over to this dragon and you can see that the black crystal that had grown along the side of its face and around its eye and the black crystals that are growing from its claws have kind of grown even further into its flesh from the it looks like whatever this corruption is it has advanced in the time you guys have been unconscious the dragon still is breathing but its eyes are shut wait the black crystal has advanced yep across its body Danger. <laughs> um, and I still have that one shard from the tree in my pocket, right? Yeah, you do. Um, the book said it's dead. Uh, disagree. We should probably um, hmm, move, scurry on out. That sounds like a very good idea. Alea, in the back of your mind, you hear Igni's voice say, You should probably just... Ram my vessel in that man's chest. Yes? No, we talked about this. I'm mumbling to myself. We talked about this. He will get justice, but not like that. Uh, Onwards! Um, I'm then what do we do going with to go... Uh... <laughs> I'll carry the book. <laughs> Good question! And then um, I'm going to just start trying to pull um, Irn and Thistle down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to just like pull him by the pant legs away from the dragon. And then I'm going to drop him a little bit, a little people. further away. And then I'm going to try to pull uh, Cyrus the same way, <laughs> slowly inching them away from the dragon. I'm going to grab Tedward's arms and for the life of me, try to drag him to follow everyone. Um, roll me a strength check. Ooh, that is a 18. Um, you managed to grab him by the foot and with a pretty hefty effort, drag him away from the dragon. Um, and you guys have gotten a considerable distance away from this cre- this unconscious creature. Do you, where do you guys want to go? I guess we gotta bring... Cyrus, we gotta bring Cyrus and Ian Thistledore back to the town, right? Wait, wait, wait. Are we allowed in that town? Not technically, but if we return the prisoners, they should just pardon us, right? If that is how things work, I'm unsure of the laws. But as we are correcting the wrong, there should be no problem. I agree. Oh, no. That's the plan. Only common sense character isn't around. <laughs> um, <laughs> Does Tedward have you know, common for, sense? <laughs> for the sake of t- Tedward being unconscious, one of you guys roll a history check. Oh, great. I, I have a two plus two. <laughs> you probably have more history than... I know you have more history than I do. I don't know about... Yeah, it's you. Um, Hele. Uh, I don't get a bonus, but I might know more history. Yeah, somebody roll. <laughs> I, Go for it. Oh, God. This is pressure. 18? Okay. Um, is that good? When you were speaking with Igni and Silas in that weird sanctum beneath the hearth, the tavern you were in, you remember Tedward frantically reaching into his bag and pulling out the bounty that had Irnan Thistledown's name on it. And it was signed by the mayor of Whispering Lake. Of Whispering? Is that the town we came from? No. you. So you guys came from Homestead. Whispering Lake is another town much larger across the river, 
about four days from here. That's where the bounty was written by. If you took it back to Homestead, you might be able to claim it there, but the person who would pay you for it is in Whispering Glade. Yeah, but we still gotta get rid of Silas. We promised to bring him back by morning. Did we? We did! Or I did. <laughs> I mean, what about... we could always just make him promise to go back on his own. You hear in the you hear a muffled cry in the background. <laughs> He's nodding his head. See, honest man. Yeah, but he lied last time. Did he lie or did he just run away, trying to go back? That's true. Uh, do we have a map? Um, I don't. None of you do, but actually, man, you guys are all like hermits from nowhere. <laughs> so none of you are no, like none of you know the area. Um. I would say because Tedward is from this region of the world, he might have a map in his pockets. I'm going to search his pockets. Okay. I wouldn't do that. Give me an investigation check. I'm going to fail this. Oh, 17. 17. Okay. You reach into his pockets and start fumbling around, and you find crumpled up is a very small map of the region. And behind you, on the other side of Tedward, you can hear the, the scribbling stop, and then immediately start writing again. Back over to the book. I need to see what's writing now. The woman, the scoundrel, felt her way through Tedward's pockets and stole his mountain of gold. Damn, I'm a scoundrel? Everything has to be exaggerated. Ooh, That's the way the book oof. works. Oof. Um, Better than okay, I'm going to lay out the map. Okay. So the map, so the town that we came from is closer, right? It's closer, yeah, so you guys are about a day's travel from Homestead, um, because you guys basically ran here through the night and, like, the late afternoon. Um, Whispering Lake is about, it's about another day to the river, and then two days further beyond that to get to Whispering Lake. Do you guys do anything about the dragon? I would like to do something about the dragon, I just don't know what to do about the dragon. I don't know how to help it. I you said it's the... covered in the black... Like gems, the uh, crystals. Yeah, it's um, it's it. I'd say about eighty percent of its face is covered in these black crystals, and its claws, which were normally where it just like the nails would be, the crystals have grown up over its like clawed fingers, and like fifty percent of each of its big, big clawed hands are covered in this crystal. Should we remove the crystal? You try. You can't touch it though. What can now? Huh? I wasn't down there. I don't know why. Um, Ooh. it just has a lot of negative energy. And Alea says that very, like, with, um, jazz hands and all. <laughs> <laughs> then I have an idea. I will use Mage Hand to try to pull one out of it. Ooh, okay. Give me an roll with your magic ability modifier and your proficiency. All right. So be careful <clears throat> for proficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine. Nine? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so your mage hand appears in the air. What does it look like? It it looks... It, it's a, it's never changing too, like, too much, but it's always a different shade of blue, and it's consistently changing its uh, hue. Oh, okay. Is it like a cat's paw, kind of like yours, or more like a, hu mm -hmm. like a human's paw? Oh, cool. This is magic, like, iridescent cat paw. Um, you glide it over. Um, with your arcane prowess and grab onto some of this crystal and tug and it doesn't even move. It's rooted in there pretty cleanly. 
It's the best I got. And as as it pulls on the crystal, you hear a low growl come from inside the beast, like it's responding to what you just did. Do you think a healing thing would help? I mean... I use... Um... Like, Bomb of the Summer Court? Um, you could try, yeah. Let's get into the forest first. Yeah, I want to confirm that, um... The three, like, uh... Tedward, uh, Cyrus, and Aaron Thistledown... Um, are all, like, in a safe spot to the side. <laughs> yeah, with some effort, you guys were um, pretty able to pull them and drag them off to the side away from this creature. Um, the edge of the clearing is maybe about, like, 100 feet away. Okay. That's what we got. I don't know else what else to do. Um... I'd like to walk over to the edge of, like, where the beast is, like, lying down. Mm -hmm. Not too close. Probably, like, a body's length away. And I'd like to like get down on my knees and try and do the same thing I did at the base of the tree without saying anything. Like try and focus and I put in the mind like purifying and try Ooh. to like purify the crystal that is on the beast. Okay, give me a... We'll make this just a straight up like spell ability check. Okay. Well, that's not that good. It's a 12. So you start just going over these words in your head, mumbling them, remembering them, and you can feel a faint warmth from this sword. And you can see a vibrant, like, teal light, teal and purplish light coming from underneath the handle where your hand is, but it's not reacting the same way it did before. Um, you kind of get the sense that what you did before was something guiding your hand. So like your patron giving you a nudge um, it's something you might be able to do eventually, because um, you can clearly see the powers there, but you might I don't have, yeah, I don't have the ability to pull on it yet. I'm just gonna, like, back away and, like, just stare at my hand for a good minute, like, softly mumble to myself, why aren't you working? So while you- What's wrong? While you mumble this, um, everyone roll me a quick perception check. We're gonna get our ass eaten. Um, Ten. A yo, three. my balls are insane. What'd you say, Thurbash? A three. A three. Ooh, okay. Um, you don't notice anything. What'd you roll, baby? You focus on uh, the hand. Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Um, and Haley, what'd you roll? Ten. Ten. Okay. So both Haley and Alea, while you see Thurbash kind of crouched down here, mumbling to himself and reaching into his pouch for that weird wood sword that he has. You hear what sounds like a whistling sound. And then oh, suddenly, no. Thurbash, with a whoosh, you hear a sickening wet crunch as something falls from the sky and just what? crushes the dragon skull. <gasps> and perched on the, the top of this dragon skull is a pristine, polished, black hammer with a faint glow coming from the handle this dragon is now very dead oh. am i covered in any um <laughs> squelch i guess roll me a good D word yeah roll me a d20 let's just see let the dice decide that's a 19 Ooh, you duck um as you hear that 
you like duck down and it just barely misses you. You got some, maybe a little bit in your hair. Um, like the viscera just kind of scatters off. Um, and bits of black crystal actually shoot past you, just barely missing you. Um, and off in the tree line, maybe about 100 feet away, you see, you see a faint orange light illuminating the silhouette of a figure who steps out of the tree line. What do you guys do? I pull out my shovel. <laughs> um, what the hell? We were trying to save it, and this person just murdered it. I'm going to stand up and take a, a guard position, except for my like right hand, which is furiously rubbing at my head to try and get the viscera off my hair. <laughs> I'm just I'm just smudging it. I'm making it a lot like it's spreading all over my head instead of like actually coming off. <laughs> oh my god. So you're messing yourself up um to a bystander. It might look like you're being feral. <laughs> um just rubbing gore all over yourself. I check what the book has to say. Hey like you look down at the book and it is scribing a meteor has fallen from the sky and obliterated the remains of Tedward the Magnificence trophy. And from over in the tree line, you see stepping out into the ring light, a large elven figure, roughly six feet in height. On their back is a long black leather duster that kind of scrapes the thorny bushes as this individual steps into the clearing. And from underneath this real big wide brimmed hat um, they're wearing, you can see the faint orange light of what looks to be a cigar. And as this person steps forward, you can see that her hair is short and curled and black. You see a hand raise up and smoothly remove the cigar from her mouth as the other hand raises and you watch as this black glowing hammer starts to vibrate and just lifts off the head of the monster and flies up into her hand. And she goes, well, I'll be. The three of you are mighty adorable. Hey there, listeners. First, I want to apologize for the delay on this episode and thank you all for your patience. We had a pretty unfortunate storm roll through my neighborhood last week, and there may or may not have been a downed tree and a fire in my neighborhood, and it totally prevented us from recording. And I'd like to thank those of you who reached out to wish everyone well. Thankfully, None of us were hurt or injured, and I'm pretty sure no one in the area was actually hurt. There was just a lot of commotion. You were all so wonderful for your care and thoughts. For you fans of Tedward out there, um, his player couldn't make this episode, and he will likely not be in the next one either. There was a last-minute work emergency that he had to handle. Um, the animation industry kind of does that sometimes. I'd say about episode 13 is probably when we'll be seeing him enter the fray again. I'd really love to hear Tedward's take on what actually happened in the battle. That book is writing something juicy. So the usual. Um, you can find us in a bunch of fun places, which we've laid out for you on our website at www.toapodcast.com. There you can find all the cool stuff we're working on in all of our community pages and where to watch the show. We're also on Twitter now, so give us a follow at Tales of Asperon. That's A-S-P-E-R-R-A-N. Finally, thanks and shoutouts. For this episode, we use some of the ambient sounds from Sword Coast Soundscapes, as well as music from Kevin McLeod. You can find them both on Bandcamp. Finally, we release episodes every other Friday. 
So I'll be seeing you again on August 23rd. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, I'll be. The three of you are mighty adorable. Aw, thanks. Wait, no! Um, who are you? Well, who are you? I asked first. But you're here from my quarry. I'm gonna look over to my party members. What's a, what's a quarry? As she says this, she points to the now dead dragon. I don't understand. Oh. What is a quarry? I thought that was a dragon. You hear a, <laughs> you hear a um a loud hearty laugh, echo through the clearing. As you can see that she's taking her hat off at this point, and she's just got her head back and like cackling into the air. And she goes, "You have got to be kidding me!" Um, and she starts to stroll her way over to you. What do you guys do? Multiple steps back, fifty feet away, thirty feet away. Every step she takes, I'm going to take a step back. Haley. Stands his ground. Ooh. Um, Alea pretends like she's really, really brave and gonna stand her ground, but she, she does stumble like a few feet, a few steps back. Ooh, roll me a, a constitution check. Who? Um, Alea. Sixteen. Okay. Oh wait, that's I definitely just did a save. Whoops. That's okay. That's fine. Um, okay. I had you do that check to see how brave you look on the outside, um, because you said she's nervous, but um. You, you hold your ground firm, and this woman walks over to the dragon and lifts up. She grabs the top of its jaw with her hand and lifts it up, and you see her reach in and grab one of the dragon's teeth and pry it out, throws it on the ground, starts prying out dragon's teeth with her bare hands. I will not bite if I don't have to. Is it normal for you to bite? And she stands up, and she, she puts her hands on her hips. She goes, well, I guess... A proper introduction is merited. And she puts her hand out towards, I guess, Haley, who would be closest. She goes, mm. my name is Rose Liebling. Pleasure to meet you. Haley looks at his paw and just kind of does his best to shake. Okay. Her handshake is very firm um, and very businesslike. She, her hand goes down. She crouches back down to the dragon's mouth and starts ripping out more teeth. And she goes, now, how did the three, one, two, three, wait, was there six of you? How did the six of you manage to defeat this thing on your own out here in the middle of nowhere? We have a book that details it all. She sees the book scribbling and an eyebrow raises. No, really. Well, we weren't trying to defeat, we were trying to help. You wanted to help this thing. Yes. Cle- cleanse it. But help is also another word. Well, based on all the stories and the hefty price on this contract, healing that probably would have done it a favor because um, based on what all the other people in the nearby towns are saying, this thing used to be a lot bigger. And she what? like looks at the, the crystal and takes. she picks up a stick off the ground and faintly pokes it and she goes... Was that crystal here when you found it? Some of it. Don't tell her. No. Not according to the book. Well, that wasn't in the briefing. And you see her start picking up the dragon's teeth off the ground and putting them inside of this, like, black satchel she has hanging underneath her duster. Um, And she takes the hammer that she has. It's 
small, like a, about the size of a hand axe. And she threads it in a loop on her belt. And she starts going to town, pulling more teeth from this dragon. And she goes, so what? What? All right, you all seem kind of skeptical. I'm a hunter, and I was hired to come here to rid this beast of this wood. <laughs> well, rid the wood of the beast, sorry. It's been a long walk. Do most hunters carry giant black hammers that magically return with invisible legs? <laughs> no. That's why I get all the good contracts. So we did your job? <laughs> it looks like it, and I'm going to make bank on it. She pulls out another tooth, puts it in her bag. Well, that's well, share the world. <laughs> Only if you tell me how you actually killed this thing. It's in the book. Anybody can write a fancy book that says that you did all this cool stuff to kill this dragon, but for all I know, you might have pelted it with arrows from the woods from a mile away. Do you see me writing this book? I mean, <laughs> it is writing itself, but... A person had to ask it to do that, right? Do any of us look capable of doing it? We are, we are unsure. She gives you guys a quick look over. I don't even, did you kill it with a shovel? I'm gonna hide my shovel. <laughs> I'm gonna hide my shovel behind my back. No, wait, you said you were hired to do this? By who? Where? Are you, are you not from around here? Yes. I lived on an island. Okay, alright, that's that's a start. Um, she pulls out another tooth, puts it in her bag. I'm a hunter of a guild known as the Hunters of Amarth. We go around and we kill all the bad creatures out there in the region and people pay us good money to do it. Ooh. And Please. you've done my job for me. Again, share the wealth. So your you boss Catman. Cat yes. What's, what's your name? Hele. Hele. Well, you have a business sense, and I can appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> hmm. You all seem pretty capable. What do you have to? Why should I share this quarry with you? It would be we, only fair. We we did the job. We, 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 we did it. Not you. I mean, true, but between me and you, that, that's, no, that's, nobody here saw what happened. We have a book that says otherwise. Hmm. Roll me a persuasion check. <laughs> that was almost really good. Uh, eight. Oof. <laughs> I rolled a natural one. Sick. Ouch. Damn. Easily persuadable. Her eyebrow arches, and she gives you guys one more thorough look over. Is that a butcher's knife? And you guys notice laying on the ground next to Tedward's open hand is the butcher's knife that he stole from the cobalt nest below and was using to <laughs> feverishly stab the dragon. And she goes, All right, you killed a juvenile green dragon with nothing but a butcher's knife and a shovel. That's worth something. I would hope so. All right, how about this? I'm heading back to Whispering Lake to turn in my bounty for this creature along with some of the things I salvaged from it. You cut along, and I'll give you a nice, generous cut of the profits. A third. Deep. And we keep this whole, whole ordeal nice and quiet. 
DM, quick question. Yeah? Can you tell me the name of the two towns again? Homestead and Whispering Lake. Okay. Thank you. Homestead is where you came from. And she's going to Whispering Lake. Yep. Okay. How much is the bounty worth? Um, she reaches into her pouch and starts digging around, and she pulls out the contract. Oh, for this particular creature? Without any of the goods, she shakes her pouch of dragon teeth. 1,500 gold. Give or take some change. This beast, this beast has been eating cattle for months. Stealing them from the nearby farmers. I feel like splitting it 33 our way, 66 your way would be fair. Is, is I'm sorry, could you 15... repeat that? 33 us, uh, 66 you. Hmm. Is that how math works? One more persuasion check. It's 1% missing, but... <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Eight. Eighty <laughs> 80-20. You have a deal. We got a... No, our book says you didn't do it. You are mighty stubborn. The book doesn't lie. She eyes the book. You see a concerned look go over her face. And she starts to walk towards it. What do you guys do? Oh, no. I walk um... towards the dragon. Okay, I see what your game is. All right, fine. 66.33. This isn't worth the, the hassle of disposing of a couple bodies. Oh, my gosh. And you're going to take our friend back to Homestead. I have the contract. I am not going back to that little backwater town. Friends. What do you mean, <laughs> what do you mean friends? We, we need them all. We, we can't just take Tedward. We, we need both Tedward and Earden and Silas. We need all three, not just... But Silas only needs to go back to Homestead. We need to go to Whispering Lake. She looks over at Silas, who's sitting at the clearing tied up, and she goes, You need him to go back to Homestead? Yes. There might be a bounty on his head, we're not sure. She walks over to where he's at. He's your prisoner. Am I allowed to touch him or, you know, say a little word? What are you gonna do? Convince him that home pl- Homestead is the only place he should be right now. Okay. So she leans down and whispers something in his ear, and he's wriggling, and then he suddenly goes still. She stands up, grabs the rope from the binds, and pulls it loose. She goes, and that's what I thought. If I see you anywhere other than Homestead in the next week, and she just gently rests her hand on her hammer... And he goes, oh, understood, understood. Uh, 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 yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, nice. She looks back to you. Is, does that suffice? Uh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Um, I'm going to go digging through my bag. and I'm going to take out a little notebook, rip out a piece of paper, and then scribble, he's back. Yay. Alea. <laughs> I'm going to hand it to uh, Osiris. <laughs> like, Give that to the sheriff. She reaches out and pats him on the head. She goes, you do what the young lady says. And he takes it and shoves it in his coat pocket. In total silence. His eyes are wide with fear. Thank you, Cyrus. Silas? Say, what is his name? Silas? <laughs> he sprints off into the woods. You guys have nice. put him Good. through a harrowing ordeal. <laughs> Good luck. Poor man. Um, Rose, she looks around. So, so it wasn't six. How many of you are there? Five. That should be more than enough. 
Um, and she like takes her hand and raises it up to her mouth and puts out a hearty whistle. And who would be closest to her right now? Well, I gave si- uh, I gave Silas the letter. Oh yeah, never mind. So then. Oh God, what's about to happen? <laughs> um, you feel the ground shake and kind of rumble beneath your feet. Whoever's standing closest to her, as the ground pulls apart and kind of the the, the fresh dirt peels away to re- reveal the large back of an armadillo as it burrows out from underneath the clearing. This thing is like three and a half feet high, easy. It's big, it's real big. Come on, help me uh, hoist your big friend on top of my uh, companion here. Yeah, I think it goes over and helps. I'll help. Okay, between the four of you, you guys help her lift Tedward up onto the back of this armadillo and you watch it sink a little closer to the ground because of how big Tedward is. So, Whispering Lake it is, yeah? The lake. Yes. All right. You see her walk over to a tree. She starts to run her thumb across the bark, and you hear chanting. Do any of you speak Elvish? I do. I do not. Um, I do. I can. I won't. Uh, <laughs> you hear, she's muttering under her breath, and she says, Guardians of the earth and stone, I ask for the fruits of your labor and safe passage on this journey. And she pushes her hand into the bark of the tree. It actually sinks into the bark. And she pulls her hand to the side, and it looks like she pulls the bark of the tree back like a curtain. And inside this tree, well, on the other side, you can see that in the distance, there is a wide lake. And or at its border are a ton of white-leafed birch trees and oak trees surrounding this big, big lake. And she goes, well, come on, we don't have all day. I'm going to lean over uh, to Haley and be like, you think this is a good idea? I've read many stories. And most of them, ha- most of these heroic stories have bounty hunters becoming good people. I trust her. Okay. <laughs> and Alaya's just going to go in. Okay. You pass through the tree. What do the rest of you do? Stunned in absolute stupor. I just saw... The thing that is my religion is based on turn into like a prop for travel. <laughs> I have no idea how it happened. I am absolutely silent. So as Haley like excitedly jogs past you through the tree and this big armadillo slowly carries Tedward and um, Irnan through this portal in the tree. She looks at you. You're so sweet. And she grabs your wrist and pulls you through. <laughs> And you feel you hear the sound of creaking bark seal up behind you as you now stand on the border of the Whispering Lake. Well, this was way easier. Magic can do that sometimes. So who's this fella? And she points to Irnan on the back of the armadillo. My cousin. Deception? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we're related somehow. Way back. Eight! <laughs> oh, yes. good number. All right, whatever. Guess he got knocked out fighting that dragon. Mm. Um. Yes. And she starts to walk forward as this big armadillo follows her. I take it none of you have been in this uh, region of the wood before, huh? Nope. And Elea's visibly vibrating with excitement. 
<laughs> oh, she's, no. she's, she's very excited. <laughs> um, are any of you bleeding or anything of the sort? I'm sorry, what? Are any of you bleeding or anything of that sort? No. I'm going to look around. And then, like, it's going to, like, shocked. Wait a second. Where's Tuberry? <laughs> I'm going I'm to be looking for Tuberry real quick. Um, roll me an investigation chart. If we have left Tuberry, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> A four! <laughs> four. You have no idea where Tuberry is. Oh no! I'm so sad. Um, well, she says, well, that is good to hear. Um, this, this part of the wood isn't kind to people who've been hurt. So just keep that in mind when you get close to the town. If you have any wounds, cover them up, keep them bandaged, or some not-so-pleasant things will happen. Why? 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 As she's walking away and she goes, oh, it's nothing. You know, just because you you get a little closer to the wake, sometimes people, they say you can hear whispers and things of that sort. Mm-mm. You can almost hear a grin in her voice as she says it. As she's walking away from you. Can I just check over the two unconscious fellows to see if uh, they've got any wounds? Yes, visible? absolutely. Um, roll me a medicine check. Can I insight her? Uh, and yeah, and can I get an insight check too? That is an 18. Okay, um, with your insight check, she is saying this playfully, but you get the hint that there is some honesty in there. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't have asked. I got a seven. Oof. Um, you look over them, and you don't find anything really concerning. Does being unconscious count as injured? No, I mean like flesh wounds, blood, and things like that. All right, then we should be good. Let's go. All right. Uh, I'm going to smooth out my vestments and really, really like try and smooth them out as best as pop- possible, making sure every inch of skin is covered. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so you make your way along the border of this lake. And... Right up at the the shore of it, where the water laps up against the dirt embankments that make up the edge of this lake, it's eerily silent. Occasionally you hear a faint cool breeze roll off the lake, and you can hear the leaves of the trees shake around you. Off in the distance, maybe a few miles away, you can see the faint firelight, torchlight, things of that nature, um, illuminating a specific bank of this lake um and you see a small town well much bigger than homestead you see what you presume is whispering lake you make your way along this embankment and the white leaf trees that are dangling over the edge of the lake the branches are ominous there's just something about them that feels off it's unsettling it almost feels like hands like clawed hands reaching out towards the water can I get everyone to roll a perception check? 21. No, 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 natural 20. Okay. 17. 17. Um, so walking by the three of you, um, a breeze comes in off the lake, and you can hear the, the leaves again rustling in the trees, and you think you hear a voice. Not sure where it comes from or how, but it's just a faint, 
whisper in the like right behind your ear. As you're walking through the word. Did you say something? Who's a WhatsApp? Was that did you say that? What? I didn't say anything. Igni, did you say something? I did not, no. Also, how are you doing, Igby? It's been a while since we chatted. Uncomfortable. Understandable. Do you want to get out of the sword? <laughs> yes, I want to get out of the sword and kill Mr. <laughs> Thistle down. Please. Igni, we agreed. Let's not go this again. Well, and one, we're just, one can hope. Hmm. One can hope. Not just going to keep walking as Dirt Lady continues to talk to herself. it's uh miss dirt pockets for your information pardon (laughs) um so rose is about 15 feet ahead of you guys kind of leading the pack and after about five six minutes or so um you can see the border of the town a bit closer and off to the side you think out of the corner of your eye based on your perception checks you see a faint light move in the tree line to your right a little reminiscent of a torch. And who rolled the lowest of your perception checks? I believe it was Alea. I had a 17. Um, you hear right behind your ear. Water, the water, see, it's not just the water, it's the water. Oh god, that's fucking horrifying. And you see <laughs> off to the side a floating light looming a little bit closer. Maybe about 40, 50 feet from you into the tree line. Is she the only one who sees the light? No, um, if actually with all of your perception checks, yeah, you all see it. Well, first, Alea, what do you do about the light? It looks like a torch light, but just floating by itself. Well, that's pretty. Do I know about these things from my uh, past? Um, hmm. Are you proficient in religion? Um, I am. Oh, okay, yeah, give me a religion check. Darn it, 13. 13, okay. Um, With that, the first thought that crosses your mind is spirits. You've read not any particular details, but maybe little rumors, um, you know, old tales about spirits that appear in the form of lights, usually harmless, unless provoked. Um, Honestly, Alea's probably just going to think it's cute. (laughs) That's it. But uh, she'll probably be like, oh, hi, little hi, little one. Are you lost? Just like talking. Yeah. As um, you regard it, it, it floats closer, 15 feet. Oh, it, no. it comes out of the, the tree line and kind of hovers near you. At this point, Rose is maybe about 45, 50 feet ahead of you guys. She hasn't stopped walking. Uh, perhaps Haley hasn't stopped. Okay, you're we walking with them. So Alea and Thurbash are behind. Uh, let's keep walking. Okay. Um, I will. I'll just kind of be like, we're we're kind of we're kind of gotta, gotta keep up with our friend group. But I hope you have a fabulous day. And then I'm, she's just gonna try to like shimmy around to the little the little ball of light. As you guys, you shimmy around it, and as you start to a quick jog to catch up to Rose, the orb is following. After some time, you guys make it to what looks to be the the border area of this town. Um, You can see that for maybe a quarter mile out, the woods have been cleared around this place. And you don't 
really notice it until you step into town, like into this cleared area of brush. Um, but you feel what seems like a weight lift off your shoulders. Like that idea that maybe someone was watching you, but when they suddenly stop, you become aware of it. It feels like that when you step into this clearing. Do you guys do anything? Um, I'm probably just going to look around and see what the spirit ball of light is doing. It has stopped right at the edge of the clearing. Ah, that's weird. Goodbye, Mr. Ball of Light. Rose looks around to you and she goes, were you messing with the lights? I wasn't messing. We were having a pleasant conversation. All right, stay stay close and uh, don't don't go wander into the wood on your own if you can. Um, and she starts to walk forward. And as you guys follow with the one look over your shoulder, you see in the forest blips, more blips of light appear one after the other. There was more than just one of those things following you. I'm just going to wave and like, kind of like, okay. <laughs> and then I'll keep it, up with Rose. Our adventurers walk in stride with Rose Liebland, making their way towards the town of Whispering Lake. With a glint of wonder in her eye, Alea strides confidently towards adventure and turns her back on the nice, cute orbs of light floating just outside the clearing, surrounding this blackened citadel of a town. Deep within this town, our view settles on the dockside district of the lake. On this night, the rings of Asperon cast a twisted reflection on the warbling surface of the lake's waters. On this small dock, we hear the sound of wood creaking as an older gentleman takes a seat on his stool and picks up his fishing rod, casting it off into the waters. This time of night is his favorite time to go fishing. With no one around, he can truly hear the beauty of the lake and its denizens. He can hear the water gently lapping up against the rocks. And close by, the water splashes as a fish leaps into the air, with dinner in its open maw. In this moment of serenity, he feels at peace. Then, a quiet voice creeps into his mind. In this moment of silence, the fisherman stands up. And with a smile on his face, steps off to the dock, silently sinking into the waters below, never to be seen again. Hey everybody, thanks for sticking around and I really hope you enjoyed that spoopy bit there at the end. This episode is just a taste of the theme of this arc coming up and these kinds of tales are my favorite. I am so excited. The songs we used this time were Nervous and Shores of Avalon by Kevin McLeod. I hope you enjoyed. Anyways, spread the word, share the show, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you on August 23rd when our next episode launches. Stay safe and see you soon.